Judges ready? I I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens. I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room where so it happens. So this is what happens now when a clever intro doesn't come to you prior to recording? We play show tunes? Yep. Okay. This weekend, I was in the room where it happened. The NCFL moderators meeting, that is. So we'll give you the highlights from my time in Louisville and discuss the upcoming presidential debate from the point of view of forensics coaches. This This is Forensics Forensics Faces. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, and guess what? It's only been two weeks. Yes, Woo! this is like a thing we are trying to do. We're, we're doing a thing, guys. Be consistent and put out episodes. Yeah, we're working on it, schedules we, and stuff. Yes, <laughs> yes. So if if things go well, we should have uh, an episode every two weeks from now until well, the holidays, probably. Yeah. We'll probably take a little bit of time off over winter break and then come back strong with our tournament recaps every week in january oh that's like so much sooner than Mm -hmm. it should be let's not talk about that quite yet yeah we are not yet at the point where we can talk about actual preparation for forensics instead no let's talk about some things that that are going on in the world uh today um have you heard there is an election coming up (gasps) i was being constantly inundated by it all the time. So much so that sometimes I block it out. Yeah, I definitely block it out. I will 300% admit to sometimes needing to save my mental energy for other things. Mm -hmm. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, what podcast haven't I listened to about the... Yes, you were giving me lots of great recommendations about them, which maybe (laughs) you can give out later in the episode. Oh, yeah, sure. I've got... I have too many because I get a little obsessed with uh, the election during presidential years. Yeah, I just... I try to wait. Like my rule is normally like a hundred days before the election is when I will start to like read more articles and like pay more attention to Nate Silver's Twitter account and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that super did not work this time around because this election has just been jabbing me in the eyeballs and the ear holes for months and months yeah. and months. Yeah, it's well, it's been interesting news cycle after interesting news cycle. The next one will be tomorrow night's presidential debate yes which so, i am so excited to watch great reason to not watch dancing with the stars with my roommate sorry <laughs> she listens to this podcast i know she does but it'll be good for us to take a break from <laughs> that ridiculous shiny spectacle to watch another ridiculous shiny spectacle and tweet yes. about it just as much yes so so let's talk about that for a little bit we yes. have so just in case anybody's listening to this later in the week it is currently sunday afternoon yes uh, this episode should go out later today fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed so we are recording and releasing this podcast prior to the debate itself so we know nothing about what has yes taken place after monday evening um i will be watching yes i'm looking forward to it maybe we'll tweet a little bit from our twitter account if we feel there's anything relevant yeah going on yeah definitely other than how amazing hillary's outfit will be because uh, we'll see I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been swayed by many of her suits and I love a good power suit on a lady. I do. I think that there's probably so much effort and thought being put into it because she is the female Mm -hmm. that like, I'm sure they've been talking about it for months now. And I know that I've been thinking and talking about it for months (laughs) now because I am power suit obsessed. Agreed. 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 Um, So I wanted to bring this up in a particular context because we are forensics coaches and we are uh, adjacent to the debate world. I went to literally one debate meeting when I was in high school, so I cannot say that I am a debater. But I I did it pretty seriously for three years and then was forced to do it relatively casually my senior year because I was the only upperclassman on my team. So I only debated... Twice my senior year, but I also did get to go to nationals my senior year in public forum. So I was policy debater for two years, PF for two years. Never went to LD. That is scary to me. I can't. Yeah. Well, for a little while, their Lincoln-Douglas debate was happening during the forensic season. It was. Because I remember we had a couple uh, young people who did very well in LD on North's team. Um, so in in the context of debate, I just want to make it clear that like I am not a debater, mm-hmm. but you did do debate. Yes. Neither one of us coaches debate currently. No. 
Oh, gosh, no. But so we have the upcoming uh, presidential debate, and there was an article that was put out by the Washington Post Mm -hmm. that I found very interesting. And I thought summed up a lot of the conversation that's been happening sort of around this topic when it comes to the debate. And that is, is it harder for a, a girl or a woman to be taken seriously or considered, quote, presidential during a debate. For the first time, we will have a televised televised debate between two major party candidates where one of them is a woman. Mm -hmm. Now, part of the context of this conversation that is not really a part of, you know, the gender bias issue, which we will get to. Yeah. Um, is also the idea that somehow like Hillary is in a lose-lose situation because she is a politician and it was almost the same thing that happened with Obama that because he was such a good orator yeah. that he was expected to win the debates. Mm-hmm. So you either, the, the, the consensus is either, yep, she won the debates and she was supposed to, no big story there, yeah. or she lost the debate. And what a surprise that is. Yeah. So there's there's two sort of competing contexts there that I'm really interested to see how it pans out. And I'm particularly interested to see how it is covered in the days that are follow, in the days that actually follow the the debate. So yeah. How you, much conversation is actually going to be in major news media outlets about what she wore? Like, it's one thing for me to, like, talk to my former students being like, oh my gosh, that's, it's amazing. I wish mm-hmm. I could afford to wear something like that for one of you guys. It's another for it to be the main thing that gets brought up after her debate rather than the amazing points that she made, the plans that she's presented. Um, my favorite- Or the, the notion that she might be vaguely bitchy. Yeah, oh my gosh. And that's my favorite thing from that article was talking about like her vocal quality and the idea, because when I went to my very first debate meeting and we were like, introducing ourselves the coach at the time um, Bob Leet made a comment about how my voice was low so I'll be a good debater and that's something mm-hmm. that I heard all four years competing from other coaches that I had was that oh your voice is so nice and low people are going to take you really seriously so that's why I did the now defunct category of group discussion because it was a very male dominated category and uh, it's also one of the reasons that I almost always had female partners in debate rather than being partnered with men because I could balance out a girl who had a more traditionally feminine voice. Oh. Uh, so I would get partnered, like I would be partnered with girls, not because of our like balancing each other out with our strengths and weaknesses with inside of a debate round, but just because my voice could be more authoritative than theirs was, which I didn't think about too much back then. I took it as a compliment. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, holy sexism, that sucked. Right. <laughs> so it was always a comment that I got. And I was always one of those debaters who got comments back about being too bitchy and not being able to control my emotions and like getting, I was once told I was too involved in the debate, which I don't think makes sense. I, uh, and I didn't know how yeah, to, yeah, you're like, I'm from the outside of the debate world, but that seems like a good thing. Yeah. But I was told I was too involved and I was, and I wasn't even that serious in the debate world. I only ever competed on the local circuit Sands my senior year when I went to nationals and I did horribly, but there are, there are girls who are competing on a national level. And as that article pointed out, not a single female made it to top 20 in that. And when we go to, when we see things like extem finals, like this year at NSDA nationals, there was one girl, I believe, and one of the two finals, cause they're Mm -hmm. different. And when she walked down the stage, the ruckus cheer that she got just because she was female, because yep. there were so many girls in that room who were just excited to see another female up there. And it just, it sets, it sets this precedent that you are automatically struggling before you even get there, that your playing field doesn't get to be leveled out no matter how much research you have, experience you have. And that like mega sucks. And so yeah. even though Hillary's walking into this debate, having so much more experience and like being so much more well-spoken than Mr. Drumpf, like she's walking up against a wall already. And so for those who haven't read the article, that one of the, the I guess the main thesis of the article is that um, it spoke to high school debaters, female debaters about their experience in high school debate. And one of the girls said uh, she saw a particular ballot in which the boys she was debating against 
were being praised for their not only for their their stances but also like their vocal quality mm-hmm. and their passion um and then the comment specifically about her was that she did not seem presidential in her uh, presentation. Yeah. Which kind of makes you go WTF. Yeah. That, that like, brings some curse words to mind. When, when we are in a point in our history, when we have never had a female president, how, how do we know what that looks yeah, like? Yeah. Like what, uh, how, how can you, is it even fair to use that as a, a barometer upon which you base your critique? The of answer's no. Somebody. So <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that question is flat out. No, it is not fair. And the judge who did that is ridiculous. Also one of the, cause it talked about how there was a coach who was starting to collect the ballots from his female debaters mm-hmm. and like posting them so they could see the sexism they're running up against. There was one ballot where on the on the side of the uh, female competitor and her partner was the, the phrase flats question mark, not heels question mark, which oh. like there are certain times where I will make a comment about shoe wear on a competitor because they're a shuffler or like. Or they look so uncomfortable. Like, yeah. I, I have commented on uh, young ladies who will wear heels that they are clearly not comfortable in. Yeah, that they in. can't walk in. And, and again, it's like it's not a fashion thing that no. I'm commenting on. It's the fact that I can tell it, you it is coming across in your performance that your feet hurt as you yeah. move. So not a good choice of footwear if you can't walk properly. But deciding that the choice of shoe that a debater wore is something worth commenting on as like an area of improvement, which mm-hmm. is what we've heard of them in our state is pure insanity to right. me. I would have gotten that ballot and I would have like sought out that judge and just like slap them with my own flats. Cause I ain't wearing heels. <laughs> they got a comment about my flats and we, and this is something that if you want to talk to us about in a, in a tab room, there are judges in our state who have, done similar sexist things that our students are dealing with outside of the debate world. And we, as coaches need to find the the strength and empowerment to step up to them. But in these situations, these students aren't able to do that. Right. And so it's figuring out what we can do to sort of stop that. It's sexism is always a hard thing to bring up, especially in the debate world. It's, it's really hard to come up against and it doesn't matter whether or not you're in policy debate, public forum debate, even congressional debate, having had students that have gone incredibly far, like have like mm-hmm. gone into out rounds at nationals in debate and like seen how sort of gross it can be is the only word I can use for it. Uh, I'm always constantly trying to do my part to make sure that my students don't necessarily have to be up against that forever. But here we are going into my 10th year doing this and I'm still struggling. So yeah. it's, and I think in, not in defense of sexism, but in defense of the people who exhibit that type of sexism. Yeah. I don't believe it is, most of the time, I don't believe it is intended to be sexist. It yeah. is ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like we are still ignorant of the way that we talk about female competitors versus male competitors. Yeah. And so I'm I am interested to see where this uh this election goes mm-hmm. and what impact, if any, it has on how we talk about young women who are high achievers. Yeah. And because this I think even, we have a whole different vocabulary yeah. for young women who are high achievers other than they're just high achievers like the boys that they're standing right next to. Yeah. And this conversation doesn't even begin to cover students who label themselves outside of the gender binary and all the stuff that they also struggle against with. Cause I have coach friends and you know who you are who have students who get comments on about the way they dress because they decide to dress either more androgynously or more feminine than what their like outward appearing gender could be. And that ends up also being something that can be really weird. So the idea of sexism isn't, isn't just male or female. It definitely qualifies to those who label themselves outside of the binary. And that, but that's a whole nother issue and a whole nother podcast It is <laughs> in itself. Episode really. number three of <laughs> the two taboo for the tab room series that we will be doing. Yeah. We'll be it talking is, all about on that. the list. So, so yeah. Um, if you would like to read the article, if you haven't already seen it in all of the social media posting that, uh, it's been making the rounds pretty heavily. Uh, I will include it on the show notes yes. for, for this episode. So if you want to go read that uh, article from the Washington Post, go Do check it. it out. We would love to hear your thoughts on the article or anything that we, we said here today. So, But you should on. tell us about your weekend because yeah. you got the wonderful opportunity to travel to Tourism Metropolis 
Louisville. <laughs> yes, Louisville. <laughs> or as in it's Kentucky. Properly, yes. Uh, as we decided you should pronounce it, it's with as few consonants as possible. Louisville. <laughs> yeah. At like maybe so like three. I had a roommate who lived across the hall from me in college. His name was Bobby. And he informed me that it was pronounced Louisville. You do not pronounce the E and you do mm-hmm. not pronounce the S. Louisville. Um, when I was there this weekend, they said, you can pronounce it any way you want. They're just happy we're coming to Louisville. <laughs> what is happy to have you here? So, yeah. And they're, what accent I don't that? know. It went astray. <laughs> yeah. It, I'm sorry. <laughs> My caffeine is coming through were, now. Uh, I'm not used to the Sunday afternoon recordings. Yes. they. <laughs> so, first of all, let me say they were such gracious hosts. Good. Um, I'm excited. I did not stay for the whole weekend. There's a, The moderator's meeting starts on Friday night. Yeah. It goes into Saturday morning. And then there were, like, fun time activities that were planned. I left Saturday afternoon so I could get back home. Yeah. Um, Although I did see Carrie Baker going to a she went to she went to Churchill Downs. Yeah. Yep. And then there was a special event that night called Downs After Dark, where there was like a live concert with some people Mm. who were just on America's Got Talent, which is a show I do not watch, so I did not understand that. Um, And they also went to the Louisville Slugger Museum. Fancy. Yes. So, and we went on Friday evening after the meeting to. and this is for Carrie Baker to get our passports stamped. <laughs> and uh, I will explain what that means to coaches privately. Yes. And uh, I do plan on getting my passport stamped a few more times when we are back there in May. Yeah, I would I would love to go with you to get my passport and get a couple of stamps on yes. it. So that would be delightful. Shout out to C. Bakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great nickname. I'm sure she'll love it. What up, C. Bakes? C. Bakes. We, uh, we had a really, really fun time on... on Friday night with our friend Kelly from Baltimore. So shout out to Kelly from Baltimore. Uh, and uh, we are looking forward to the tournament. So some things that we learned um, or that I learned, because maybe this is more common knowledge for people who are more in the know in the NCFL. Um, I was really fascinated to find out that the tournament in Sacramento was somewhat of a test for us Oh, in that we did everything on Sunday in that convention center. Oh, yeah. Which is not normal for us. Oh, I guess I have not paid enough attention. And the reason that we were doing that was to see if it was something that could be done for tournaments in the future. Um, The reason being that tournaments are trending larger. And so we are sizing ourselves out of some host cities because they don't have the physical capability of hosting that many competition locations. And so one of the solutions to that is that there are lots of cities that have these giant convention centers that if we can utilize that space and build up those fabric walls, mm-hmm. that we can use that. And then we could go to more cities who could host us. Interesting. So, I, yeah. So Sacramento was a test. I did not know that. Here's what we learned from that test, according to <laughs> Roland Burdett, our esteemed uh, NCFL Grand National Tournament director. He said there were four things he took away from it. One, don't clap after every speech. <laughs> okay. I guess that's just something we're going to have to get used to because yeah. when you are talking about uh, noise going through those barriers, the applause was one of the things that made it the hardest for judges to hear the competitors. I wonder if if, if the beatnik snap would be a little better maybe, to maybe manage. We can it's a little something less else. voluminous. Maybe that. Yeah, you should write that in as a suggestion. We or, can we can tweet. Oh my gosh, the NCFL. we should just def clap. That would be way better because yeah. it doesn't make noise. It's just yeah. as exciting. You can and show we, you, different levels have, of enthusiasm. You have to somehow acknowledge. That yeah, the because person, otherwise. I would be so, if you're just like, you give like one of the best speeches of your life at nationals and then it's just like cricket, cricket, yeah. cricket, cricket. At least get, at least get the deaf clap or, yeah, yeah I mean, snaps, I think. Might yeah, be I think good. snaps would be good because they're not yeah. as loud. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right. We're sending that, uh, all right. that note out into the ether. Um, here's the other thing. And I, this is not a thing for speech people. So I was surprised to hear that this was an issue, but the cubicles that end up being created in those large convention centers mm-hmm. don't have power which I guess is an issue for debaters debaters. who are using their computers a lot. So the issue is that it is either not feasible to get them there Mm -hmm. or it is ridiculously expensive. I mean, we are talking, we will need to get sponsorships for every single one of those cubicles (laughs) because it is in the three to four digit range per cubicle cubicle to get that much power 
into those convention centers. Sorry, demeanors. Yeah. So I think that might end up being a thing that like people are just going to have to figure out for themselves, which to me makes sense. Yeah. That you can bring external batteries you and can things bring happen. external batteries. So, you know, you supplement your laptop use with a tablet use for as much as you can. Those mm-hmm. batteries tend to last longer and are easier to recharge with a portable charger. Yeah. Um, so that might be something that just is, will be a reality in the future. Like you cannot depend on being in a space that has power for you Yeah, come, you know, a few years down the line. Mm-hmm. Our, our next few tournaments have this, the usual space. So this will not be a, a full-time issue for a while. Um, and then crosstalk, uh, which this was something that Roland said debaters, um, the debaters got it is what he said. And I was like, well, they were also there for several days of competition. Whereas the speech kids came in from, classrooms yeah and then had to get used to it very quickly on sunday Mm -hmm. so in fairness this the debaters seem to get it faster probably because they got used to it yeah in the first day and then the speech kids had to come in on the second day oh what is and try to get used to it um and on a day where the tension is that much higher yeah and i know sitting at the ballot table collecting ballots that was by far the the comment I got most from judges saying, I mean, they were pretty blunt about it. They were like, I hope we never do this again. It was awful. I couldn't hear the kids. Mm. So, um, and guess what? If you're one of those judges, we will probably be doing this again. So sorry about it. Get, yeah. We, we're going to have to adjust and, and that's fine. Um, before people start sending in a bunch of suggestions, they have thought of a lot of different ways to approach this. Um, the, most obvious one would obviously be to have thicker curtains so yeah. there's more sound cancellation. Mm-hmm. The issue with that is not only that the curtains themselves, the fabric is more expensive, yeah. but they only come in 12-foot curtains. We are oh, currently using 8-foot eight eight foot. curtains. Yeah. So you not only need more pipe material to build up the cubicle, but because you are then going taller, the people who are putting up the material then need special equipment to be able to be that tall. They walk around on little stilts. It takes longer. The fabric is heavier itself. So in labor, in material, in time, it will all be it's so much a stuff. bigger hassle to go to the thicker fabric. So yes, they have thought of it. Um, it has likely been ruled out due to cost. Also, I always encourage coaches who, especially who are hard of hearing, just sit towards the front of the room. Like, yeah. There are rooms where I walk into, and I'm normally a back of the room person, where I just know where it's like, all right, I'm going to sit towards the front. I need students to be like away from me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just more cognizant of whether or not they can see on my ballot, knowing that I can sit towards the front. I know it's uncool. That's another like, really good suggestion. Well, think about what happens at NCFL or N- NSDA. Well, although NSDA is mic'd. But at NCFL, when they're in those grand ballrooms for the finals, where the judges sit? Front row. Right up front. Yeah. Like, just move just to move. the front. You are the most important person or group of people. Yeah. Go make sure you can be heard. Um. And then finally, the fourth part that uh, will need to be addressed in a convention center is that they don't give away their internet there. And the internet, because they use tab room and speech wire, excuse me, and speech wire for tabbing, it's important that we have- Only uh, a little bit. At least for the tab staff, (laughs) that internet be provided. And as somebody who has been to a lot of conventions for my former job, like, yeah, they charge you up the wazoo for that. Yeah. They do. It's always fun when students are like, hey, Melissa, do you know what the Wi-Fi password here is? And I was like, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Right. One. And two, I don't. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember at NSDA, I got in line to grab a snack during uh, a break in the final round. And there was a girl in front of me who's like, can I get the Wi-Fi password? And I was like, we don't have one. Mm -mm. There's not one for you. Yeah, they don't. They do not give that away. Which Um, is, you'll be fine. If you are not a tab staff. You'll be fine without it, guys. We right. promise. Yes. The world goes on. You don't need it. Mm-mm. So that those are the four things that Roland Burdett learned from the convention center use of 2015, 2016. So 2016. The, 2016. So it wasn't 2016. the most horrible experience. No. I mean, again, we learned a lot. We know that it was tough for some people to adjust, mm-hmm. but I think we... We will do what we have to do because yeah. we want the activity to go on and we want to be able to take our kids to interesting places. And the reality of hosting a tournament of this size is you need a lot of space and we are getting creative. So, yeah. so good for them. Um, the other thing that he said some that was kind of sassy and I really loved it. 
was because when you and I did our podcast from Fort Lauderdale, we talked about the busing situation and how bass backwards it was. Yes. And he said emphatically that the same plan they had in Fort Lauderdale, they executed in Sacramento. The difference was the bus drivers in Sacramento followed the plan, (laughs) whereas the bus company in Fort Lauderdale decided they wanted to do something different. Oh, goodness. And so- and I, I thought we had our vehicles for Sacramento. We yeah. rented vehicles, but I didn't hear any complaints about buses. No. People seem to have a fine time getting around. Yeah. So the plan works if people listen, I guess, is the. Isn't that crazy how that works? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So the other things that came out of the tournament that were, that they are actually kind of seeking some feedback on. So if mm-hmm. you want to, uh, you know, tweet at the NCFL or you want to email Roland directly, go to NCFL. Dot org. org, I'm pretty sure it is. it is. And then you can, uh, you know, find some contact information and just give him some feedback on these things. Um, so due to hearing about some weather and travel issues this year at the tournament, they knew that some folks were going to be coming in really late. And so in order to make sure that they got their registration information for the tournament, they actually made it available online, um, like, you know, competitor codes and schedules yeah. uh, Thursday night already. Which was awesome. And and the consensus of the room in Louisville was that was really great. We should do that again. So, but they are looking for feedback. If anybody sees an issue with that, that that would be ethically an, an issue. Obviously, changes end up happening yeah. later in the weekend. So it is not the final, final schedule. Mm-hmm. But if you are bringing your kids and they can know their codes and they can get a good idea of what their schedule is like in advance. A little less crazy. We all loved it. We yeah. thought that that was really, really awesome. Um, they also really would like some feedback on the uh, app because it was the first time they had used it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the app. It was a little confusing that old information would disappear. Yeah. You know, so I think if they continue to improve the app and make it so that you know just where to go if you're looking for semifinal information rather than having that appear on the front page and everything before it goes away. Yeah, because some of um, us are still using that old information. Exactly. Yeah, like it would. It was nice to go back and try to reference the the information that had come before. Mm-hmm. So that would be my recommendation for the app is have dedicated locations for that information to go. Don't keep taking down the old stuff. Um, and then there was a really interesting conversation about the program book. Because it is quite a hefty piece of printing. It's fiat. And if we are making all of this stuff available on an app and online and almost everybody carries something that has the ability to go online and get this information, Mm -hmm. you know, do we want to continue to have this program book? And so the options are really we keep it as is and continue to pass it out. Um, We do a reduced version that's maybe just the schedule or the just like the maps and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, but not the full list of names from every diocese because that can be available somewhere else. Or do we just get rid of the book altogether and then just switch to an online application? Um, Of course, there are dioceses where students do not have smartphones. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there were coaches there to speak to that fact that actually not everybody does have access to an app on their phone. I wonder if it could be an optional thing that you like when you put in your registration, you sign up to get like a schedule book or not. And, and so, I know like for me, I I reference both the book and the uh, and the app one because I judged Congress this year and mm-hmm. service wasn't great in the buildings that I was in. So I was using the book a lot. And two, I have all of my books on my bookshelf still. Mm-hmm. They're like a nice little like cutesy souvenir. So I'll speak to two things about that. One is we talked about that, the idea of just registering and like ordering a book mm-hmm. if you needed it. Um, and the point was brought up that in printing, you are not often paying one price per unit. Um, that like Fair. that that changes depending on mm-hmm. the quantity that you buy. So we may end up spending just as much money on 1,000 books as we do on 3,000 books. Yeah. You know, Fair. because if you're not ordering that quantity, it ends up being more expensive per unit. So. So that was brought up as a possible deterrent to that idea, mm-hmm. um, which which does make sense. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I asked is like, is it a souvenir? I have never thought about it that way. 
I don't, maybe some of my kids have, but like, I know when I'm walking out of those hotel rooms at the end of the weekend, I see a lot of those books in the garbage. Yeah. I've never considered it a souvenir. And I have students who are low income who aren't able to like afford a shirt or anything. And the like the free, the book. And then sometimes there's like the free little like things that'll come with it, whether it's like mm-hmm. an office supply thing or something. Those end up being the only things that they will take away. Right. But again, so that's that, like on a smaller case basis than it is. The but majority. that was the same argument that was yeah. brought up at the meeting is that for some kids, this is like their thing. And the fact that they have something printed that has their name in it, it like means the world to them. Yeah. So they so they want feedback on that as well. If you want to uh, chime in uh, with the NCFL or if you're in the Green Bay Diocese in Wisconsin and you want to filter those responses through me, I am happy to forward them. Because Kirk, be the um, moderator. Yeah, or Ron Steinhorst, um, or if you are in the Milwaukee area, talk to either Carrie Baker or the Sextons, um, or over in La Crosse, talk to Scott Peterson. If you want to make your opinions known, you can go ahead and forward that to your diocesan moderator, and they Which will forward should, it. Which you should, because yeah. if you have opinions and you keep them to yourself, or you only keep them for a tab room, you're not making any change. But if you're actually bringing them up to someone who can speak on your behalf to people who it matters to, then just like just do it. Yeah. Send an email, y'all. It's not and- hard. And I can say uh, definitively now that if somebody makes a suggestion to one of these moderators, they will bring it up. Yeah, which is Even awesome. if it's ridiculous, which we heard <laughs> which a few you comments learned. that were. And the moderator would hold up their hands and be like, I promised I would say something. Oh, so, goodness. Yep. Sometimes that just has to happen. Give us an example. No. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not going to embarrass <laughs> anybody. Fine. Mm-mm. No, because they'll never invite me to another meeting. Aw, I guess they will. You're, you're handsome and charming. It'll they happen. Um, so those are the things they're seeking feedback on. Um, then just some information about Louisville itself. Like, I've been to Louisville several times before. I really like it as a city. It's I've an enjoy- It's an enjoyable place to take um, a group of teenagers. There is lots of stuff that you can do for teens. Um, as a takeaway kind of in general, like mm-hmm. my feelings are that it is like most metropolitan cities, like the downtown area is really better for adults. Yeah. Like there's very few areas that aren't just like surrounded by bars. Yeah. You know, and so you have, <laughs> so like there's, um, you know, like fun stuff to do. There's like Churchill Downs you can take. There's tons, there's Museum Row where all nice. of the museums are. So you can just take a group there and you could split off into different uh little factions that want to go to different museums. That's going to be great. Um, you know, so there's, there's really lots of fun things for, for teenagers to do. Um, but once nightfall comes, <laughs> then it kind of becomes more about whiskey row. In Louisville. And there's a ton of great bars and restaurants that are really more appropriate for an adult set. So I guess what I'm saying is plan your fun day activity in advance, know where you're going. And uh, once, once it's bar time, just make sure your kids have something entertaining to do in the hotel <laughs> because you're not going to want to drive them somewhere else yeah. to be able to do that. Um, tons of restaurants in the downtown area. Good. Uh, so that shouldn't be an issue for some people. Um, uh, the hotel that uh, part of the tournament is taking place at, the Galt House, which is where we stayed. Mm. Um, I've stayed there before. It's a beautiful hotel. And the thing to mention about that is they have what is uh, one whole side of their hotel is the suites. And they're having over 800 rooms reserved for us. Nice. And those suites uh, hold five kids. So that's how many names you should put down on the list of people who are staying in that room. And we. But let me tell you about this room. Tell me about it. It has two double beds. Okay. And then there is a little middle area where the bathroom is. Okay. That can be kind of closed off. And then there's a giant sitting room, which is where the, the couch that could easily sleep two people is along with lots of floor space that you could put down some sleeping bags, some sleeping bags and air and mattress some air mattresses if you wanted to. Uh, but the rooms sleep five. Sleep, uh, they quotation sl- marks. They sleep, sleep five. five. Okay. So everybody knows that now. Great. So let, let's talk about some things about Louisville that are really beneficial. Yes. One, location. Driving so, yeah, we will instead be driving, of flying. And it's not a 14 to 16 hour drive <gasps> like, like we will do if we have to. Yeah, which we you, have done to Birmingham. We This is this past year was the first year we flew to both mm-hmm. nationals, which is mm, so. Not true. Well, the first time that I as a coach flew yes, to both nationals. Yes. The because the year before we also did Fort Lauderdale and Dallas. And yes. Those were flights as well. Yes. But we, mm. I as a coach, have also driven to Dallas rather than mm-hmm. flying. But it is so nerve wracking for me to fly with groups of students. Like I 
don't enjoy doing it. It's a fun experience for students who don't normally like get to fly, but holy cow, would I much rather throw them into a vehicle and make them listen to an audiobook and let them sleep in Snapchat for five hours. I, I enjoy a good road trip with the kids. I yeah. didn't mind flying though. <laughs> and not have, uh, once you got past the part where like, okay, they're all on the plane. We're good to go. I guess that part. Then, then I was like, all right, this is fine. And I, I don't mind flying, but I know you, I hate you it. do not enjoy flying. Bad flyer. Um, but we're all going to drive and it's going to be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the tournament sites are all within 10 miles of the official hotels. So again, busing should be rather efficient. Um, in Louisville, they say you can get anywhere in Louisville in 15 minutes. Okay. That's like their, that's their, their thing. thing. And I'm like, that's amazing. Cause sometimes it takes me 15 minutes to get from one side of Sheboygan to the other. But, <laughs> uh, but I guess their, metro, their metropolitan area is so well designed that it just does not take you long to okay. get wherever it is you're going. So uh, yeah, so moving around should be should be pretty quick and easy. Um, as far as food is concerned, they are doing both the food trucks as well as uh, KFC, which okay. stands for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh my god! If gosh. you weren't aware of that, I had no idea. Um, is also catering. Will be catering meals at two of the high schools. Uh, I believe they are primarily the debate high schools. So debate kids will be able to instead of getting a food truck lunch, can choose from a KFC buffet. Uh, there is a limited number of those, though. So if you want those, you have you to have register to in up, advance. Yeah. So just like last year, you're, you're going to register for your food as well. Yeah, which is actually a really smart thing to do. And it's easy to have yep. set aside for your students beforehand. Um, I have it on good authority that there will be tons of vegetarian options. Which, as a vegetarian myself, I'm always very skeptical about. But Kurt did say that the woman who announced this was Said she a was a vegetarian. So. so I'll try to believe them and not just think that I have to scrap by with like a really weird toasted cheese sandwich only time will tell um and again orders will be taken in advance but the food trucks do know to have food for people who did not do that so you'll be able to order on site as well um and they say it's going to be quick and efficient so fingers crossed we'll see (laughs) we'll see we're all we're we're hesitantly optimistic yeah Um, as always mass will be at the galt house downtown uh, and presided over by archbishop joseph kurtz and if you are a catholic you probably know his name. He is a he is a big deal. The Louisville hosts. <laughs> Melissa shakes her head. I don't yeah. know nothing about um, Catholicism. Um, I have read several books by Joseph Kurtz when I was a a youth minister. Um, so this the the Louisville host said she this is a coup. She had to get on his calendar four years ago. Oh my goodness! When their bid was accepted, she went immediately to his secretary and got him on the calendar. Um, and he is, by reputation, I haven't seen him yet myself, a fantastic speaker. He used to be in speech and debate. <gasps> oh, yay. So, alum, uh, alum, so alum. She, she made a point of saying, like, if you've never been to one of his masses, you are in for a treat. And I've so, had students who are not Catholic go to mass just because it can be a really inspirational experience without being a religious one. Exactly. Like, because, as you said, if an amazing orator giving you a really, like, beautiful thing even as a speech then mm-hmm. it can be really it can be really great motivation moving into the next day of competition yeah so so i am motivated this year to make sure that whatever i am doing i am back in time for mass yeah because uh, that has not happened the last two years i know i'm sorry um and then a really cool detail <laughs> is that uh for those who are familiar with horse races know that the kentucky derby is a big deal and they have a the kentucky derby bugler and the official Derby Bugler will be at the posting party and will announce the posting of who breaks to octo finals by bugling. That's going to be such the, a the great Derby Snapchat. Bugle. Yes. Yes. So that is uh, that will be happening on Saturday night. So, yeah. So that's... Uh, that is what's looking what you can look forward to in the tournament uh, next May. Which is exciting. Yeah. Um, some other things that came up. Uh, official business. So I will try to go through these quickly because although this was the bulk of the meeting. <laughs> and I will also say that like for those of us who sit through WFCA meetings and think, what the heck? Probably um, ain't nothing on a national one. I would say comparable. Actually. Oh, God. It was comparable. Well, first of all, there's pretty much the same number of bodies in the room. Oh, okay. Like it's not really that much bigger than one of our meetings. Um, but there are still plenty of what I will call conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Who seem to think that like we, there are coaches and students who are out to get them. Yeah. And they're going to take advantage of every common sense rule yep. that we try to pra- pass. So uh, really quick, uh, I'll run through some of these guys. 
the uh, under very strict circumstances and penalties now, a diocese may bring a wild card competitor. Um, I haven't heard of this happening here, but I guess it does occasionally happen that there is an error in the tabbing of a tournament to qualify for nationals. Interesting. And then, you know, after the fact, a moderator may ask, hey, can we add this person? Because they kind of got screwed over at our qualifying tournament. And the answer traditionally has always been no. Like oh. Once you are, once your, your registration is in, you're, you're done. So now this allows someone once every four years max to bring one wild card entry. And then once you use that, you can't use it again for four years. Okay. And it's also, it's like the fee to enter is double. And oh, there's, shoot. there's a lot of things there to say, like, you got to be real serious about this. Yeah. Uh, before you, you before you take advantage of it, because if you use it for something frivolous this year, that means you can't use it again for the next four years, and something big might happen next year. So you want to reserve this for when you really, really need it. Um, uh, something about debate pairing and LDPF. <laughs> so what I got from it is that we're trying to make sure the strongest competitors aren't hitting each other early just because we're trying to avoid like team or diocesan conflict yeah. issues. Which I know is um, it can be a really big, I've heard coaches in our state talk about how it can be a really frustrating thing to do because yeah. it's, 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 it's easier to not worry about in speech categories than it is in debate categories. Yeah. So it's uh, and it, it largely affects teams that went four and one. In their early rounds, he said the five and oh ones, this won't touch. It's for those four and one teams that don't move on to the next day. It's like another way for them to to move forward. Yeah. Almost like holding like a consolation round where Mm -hmm. like you have the same record as somebody else. And then those multitude of ways that they break that tie um, would be handled in a in a debate round, I guess. Um, So what what Roland Burdett said, quote, I, I quote him. Philosophically, this is a good thing to do. We ought to do it. My interpretation of what he said after that is the logistics of this are going to be an ass ache. <laughs> That's, he, he did not use those words for the second part. The second part was me. Um, but it did pass. So that is something they are going to have to figure out how to do for the NCFL tournament. Um, only performers' feet may touch the ground is already a rule in duo. And it has now been added to all of the... Individual individual event categories. I just want to take a moment to think back to when that was such a crazy thing within our diocese. And those mm-hmm. of you who experienced that know that this is such a great thing to finally have as an official rule in all of our IEs. It's nice to have the consistency. Yes. I will speak as somebody who, who believes who that we believes are putting walls. In, yes. They don't like, need to just do walls. Let them do it. But if it's bad, rank them poorly. If it's good, we're not going to care. Yeah. You know, if some kid sits on the ground and it's the most amazing performance somebody's it's ever seen. It's the best sitting ever. The judge is going to let it go. They're going to be like, whatever. I didn't see him sit. Oh, that I th- mean the kid won't I be think able he to just do, sat, like, awesome I think he drops. just sat on his feet. Oh, god. His feet were still on the ground. Oh, goodness. Um, uh, so then they had the debate about using manuscripts as props or, mm-hmm. like, basically binder tech. It was very similar to the conversation we had at the WFCA meeting. Um Steve Sexton spoke to it. Uh, He was actually the one who made the rule stronger because um, it was going to simply be worded as binders should not be used as props instead of must not, which was our current language, Mm. uh, which would allow for that to be discouraged, but not something you could kick a kid out of the tournament for. Yeah. And uh, Steve Sexton was the one to be like, if we're going to allow it, why would like this language is so vague, let's just allow it. And so the rule as it is, is written now is no properties except a manuscript or binder may be used. Nice. And that, and that passed. So we, we amended that with a friendly amendment, amendment um, with a friendly <laughs> amendment. That's so I know to go back and fix it. <laughs> <laughs> it's something I learned in recording my audiobook. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, like how do I find that spot where we were talking Clapping. about that thing? Clap it. It's easy to find. Um, okay, so then there was a proposal to make it against the rules to mimic somebody else's performance which is which, insanity to think which, that that would ha- like you'd be able to pass that because that's the most unenforceable thing in existence and that's why it didn't pass like because obviously it's frustrating to be a, a coach who can go to a national tournament and like see people who are in the final rounds and then come back to wisconsin and see a kid like 
almost action for action repeating something, Mm -hmm. but it's so unenforceable. Right. That's it. And that was the conversation that we had, which is that in theory, we all agree this shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Like as coaches, we should be making sure our students' work is original. Um, But yeah, how do you enforce this? And, And how does this not lead to a line of questioning like, oh my God, that kid just used, made a gun noise that's just like my gun noise. Like, <gasps> oh is that gosh. plagiarism? So I guess there are states where, like, this is on the books. But like how? I don't, yeah, I don't know how they yeah. enforce it. Those and, poor and we, we couldn't think of how it was going to be enforced yeah. either. So we almost unanimously good uh, Way to did, go, moderators. voted against that. Uh, not because we disagree with the principle, but because we disagreed with the ability to actually yeah. uh, enforce it. Um, so yeah, don't mimic somebody else's performance that you saw on YouTube, guys. Don't do it. Don't be lame. Right. Um, then there was uh, how to elect the POs for the final round. It's something that they had already done last year in practice. We yep. just needed to write it into the rules. That passed. Um, also in Congress, moving into semifinals will include five students that were included by judge vote. Okay. Two students that were voted on by students. And then one student selected by the parliamentarian, which is only a slight change in the past. It's been five students voted by the judges and three students selected by the the student governing body. Mm -hmm. So that passed again, just simple changes now. Which I think the being voted in by the parliamentarian is is something that's really popular on the national circuit Mm -hmm. and has been really beneficial to students who aren't recognized by necessarily by judges. Because parliamentarians know more rules and a lot of those students who end up getting elected by parliamentarians are really excellent rule followers. Uh, then we formalized the practice of going to the protest committee, um, which again, a lot of this was already common practice. It just wasn't written into the bylaws. So that was there. Um, and we also added some time limits to try to basically encourage people not to wait to report something. Yeah, that was, I, this was the first year I had, I took them into a protest committee at, at CFL nationals or at one of the nationals. I went to a protest committee about something and that process is can be very weird and vague mm-hmm. when you get there and you've never done it before. And they like some the tab room is obviously always dealing with it, so they know what the process is. So I was just trying so hard to one make sure I was representing myself well as a judge, two not like crapping on a student via the rules, like trying to make sure that I was being a good advocate for them while still also being a good advocate for the students at large. Mm-hmm. And so that process can be very confusing. But the idea of people just like sitting and waiting for like days is crazy. Yes. Like waiting until after a student had performed in a national final round to bring up something. Well, and who so, knows when it got brought up. Yeah. But yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's still a ton of things that aren't verifiable and there's going to yeah. be nuance to the protest committee. But this just formalized some of the things that they're already doing. The NCFL does have a form that you fill out. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, they wanted to see that form had to be filed within like 20 minutes. That's not and, long And we were all like, uh, you know, sometimes you can't even get to the building where the protest committee is in 20 minutes. Yeah, no. So I think we made it like 90 minutes and 60 minutes or 90 minutes and 30 minutes, depending on the day. Okay. So like on Saturday, It'll be like in individual days. events, you could be all over the place. Yeah. And so it might take you 90 minutes to like make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 30 minutes for Sunday when we should all be in the same spot. Yeah. And even then you only have to notify the protest committee that a protest is coming oh. so that you, there is time to physically yeah, get, get there, there to fill out the form and make the protest if that uh, needs to happen. Well, that was a lovely, nice thing to do for our judges. Yeah. So we, we amended some of that stuff to make it sure that again, we want the, the, um, the feeling of urgency, yeah. but we didn't want to make it so that like a ton of protests get on unaddressed because somebody didn't make it there Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. Um, And then finally, when uh, bidding for the tournament, cities may also bid to host the fall meeting, which I thought was common practice. Yeah. But I guess it wasn't. Oh. Uh, So now when you bid to host a tournament in May, you may also at that time uh, bid to host the fall meeting that precedes it immediately. Okay. And then for cities like Chicago that don't want to host the fall meeting, somebody else can then bid to host the fall meeting well that's nice yeah so that was another little piece of business so that's that's everything that uh that went down in the room where it happened yeah you know i mean obviously some of the personalities there are just wonderful and i had a really good time as i mentioned with carrie and kelly and um you know and some of those friendships are so deep and so loving Um, those coaches really, really care for each other, the ones who have been there for a long time. Um, so it's a little tough to crack 
that uh, that dynamic. <laughs> if I'm being honest, yeah. and I don't know that any of them will ever listen to this, but you know, it's going to take some time, I think, and energy to to build relationships mm-hmm. with those people who have kind of been known in each room. other for literal decades. Yeah, yeah, because they uh they they don't while while they aren't uh, rude or anything like that, they don't really open up and embrace mm-hmm. uh, new people. Which I think some people can feel that way about. The WFCA and there are certain coaches that mm-hmm. I was worried like would never want to talk to me ever and now like they get excited to see me and it warms yeah. my heart completely so so I think we all need to be conscious of that though to always we're not those people to always be welcoming do you think people think that about us I think people have thought that about me since I was five <laughs> including my mother <laughs> I'm apparently not approachable <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, Anyway, um, I just want to put out one final push for those uh, folks who might want to offer a suggestion for something that we can talk about uh, in our upcoming series, uh, Too Taboo for the Tab Room. And thanks to those of you who have already submitted stuff to us. I've already had conversations um, with former forensics alum about some of the things that people have submitted, and I've had some really interesting uh, conversations about it. So I'm excited yeah. for some of the topics we've discussed, but yep. always more. I know that there are some of you who have big old opinions that listen to this podcast and haven't said anything to us about it yet. And if you don't send it, I might just have to seek you out, which don't make me do. I'm so busy right yeah, now. Yeah, no, we don't want to have to spend our time doing that. No. Uh, but those of you who have sent them in, uh, they are on the schedule. We have a, a series coming up and, and we're going to be talking about all of it. Yeah. So please, yes, continue to to send that, uh, that to us. Uh, and we are looking for feedback on this in every episode. Yep, and so you can either email them to us or direct message us on Twitter or DM us on Facebook if you want to be secretive about it or if you want to be open about it, just comment on this post. Yeah, exactly. Forensics Faces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensics Faces, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, my favorite app for Android is Pocket Casts. Go check it out. It's really pretty. And you can find more info at ForensicsFaces.com and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. Also, just the mental image of Leslie Odom Jr. just like jumping up in the air and the, the dancers pulling the tablecloth out from underneath him. Mm-hmm. Which, that, well, that happened. Yeah. This weekend. That oh happened. my gosh. Mm-hmm. Did, was it Ron? Yes. Oh. <laughs>